always face challenges. You know, one of the great things about the Bible is uh, how realistic it is. I mean, you read the uh, Old Testament, and the Old Testament is practically entire cover to cover there in the Old Testament. It's uh, stories of families, not sanitized, uh, make-believe families, but real families dealing with problems of every description. All families have challenges. The difference is that while some families allow their problems to destroy their unity and their love for each other, other families grow strong, grow strong through their challenges. And these strong families come in many different shapes and sizes. There are strong families that are two-parent families, strong families that are one-parent families, and blended families of all kinds. What sets these strong families apart is that they work together to overcome whatever challenge comes into their path. And they do it by applying three overcoming principles. Strong families apply three overcoming principles. They are strong families expect to face challenges. Strong families address challenges quickly and candidly and completely. And Strong families adopt healthy approaches that resolve their challenges. So let's study these three overcoming principles, starting with the first, that strong families expect to face challenges. Uh, Strong families are not strong because they never face challenges or problems. It's because they're prepared to face challenges. Let's be honest. I mean, families face issues of every description. Uh, For instance, let's say you're a teenager and you know something that no one else knows. And that's that your sister is secretly cutting herself. Or you're a teenager and uh, you're upset because you live with your mom during the week and you live with your dad on the weekends and the curfews and the rules are different in both locations and that makes you upset and confused. You're a parent and you're seeing signs of drug taking in your daughter, or you've seen your son's phone text, and it appears as though he's bullying a fellow student, or you're a single parent, and your ex violates uh, visitation agreements and talks you down in front of the kids and influences your kids in bad directions, or you're married, and your spouse's family is unkind to you, or your spouse is... and has a drinking problem that has just crossed the line and your spouse, well, your spouse seems distant and angry and you don't know why. These are real challenges. But strong families can cope because they expect to face issues like these. Christ-following people are especially prepared to... uh, Expect challenges because they follow Jesus, who says in John chapter 16, In this world you will have troubles, but take heart, Jesus says. I have overcome the world. So Jesus tells us to expect troubles in this world. And you may be saying, why is it so important that families expect challenges? Here's the reason. Strong families expect challenges, and that protects them from overreaction. Spouses who expect marriages to be conflict-free 
overreact with hurtful words and, uh, and, and despair in, when they face different problems. Uh, parents who expect their kids to be always good and never be a source of embarrassment overreact and say things like, you've ruined this family and we'll never forgive you. But strong families expect challenges, and so they're prepared to resolve problems without destructive overreactions. Next, strong families uh, apply a second principle, which is strong families address challenges quickly, candidly, and completely. Uh, While I just mentioned some families make the mistake of overreacting to a challenge, Other families do the opposite. They make the mistake of underreacting and they fail to address challenges out of their fear of conflict with each other or due to their false hopes that if they just ignore uh, the issue that it will mysteriously go away. But not strong families. Strong families address problems up front and And they do it quickly and candidly and completely. They follow the wisdom of God's word that says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, Speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up in him who is the head, that is Christ. The first word here from God is the word speaking. Strong families speak up about issues that need to be addressed. Now, unfortunately, many of us do not speak up in our families. And so irritations between family members just seem to grow and grow. These uh, families don't speak up constructively. Instead, they complain about each other and criticize each other and make snide comments behind the, the, the scenes. And so the problems just fester and boil beneath the surface. Strong families are different, though. When problems come up, someone speaks up. And you may be saying, in my family, we don't speak up when there's a problem. And I'm wondering why. Why is it that some families seem to have the ability to speak up when there's a problem? In other families, there's just no freedom to do that. Well, the reason relates to the fact that all families adopt a set of core beliefs. Now, these core beliefs are not written on a board somewhere. They're just unspoken assumptions that guide the way the family interacts. So let me suggest uh, a brief list of the core beliefs of families who speak up. The first is... They believe that each family member's opinion counts. Very early in life, children get the idea of whether their opinion counts or doesn't count in the family. Uh, Years ago, uh, my family, we went to uh, Disney World, to Magic Kingdom. Uh, It was something we were looking forward to for months, and we got up early on that day, uh, got to the gate before the thing opened, so so that when the Magic Kingdom gates swung open, we were able to run right in. We ran right past, uh, you know, Chip and Dale, uh, you know, people in their little Chip and Dale costumes saying, Sorry, Chippendale, we are going to our first ride, Splash Mountain. And uh, we ran up to Splash Mountain, and we saw this beautiful sight. No line. 
And so my wife, Jen, uh, grabs my son's hand and they head up the stairs to this amazing ride. And uh, I grab the seven-year-old hand of my daughter and I say, let's go to Splash Mountain. And Kaylee says, no, I don't want to go. And I laugh and I say, what do you mean you don't want to go? Uh, and Kelly looks up at it and says, it looks scary. I hear people screaming inside. I said, that's mommy. Mommy's having a good time inside because she always brings the right kid with her. And I'm stuck with you and Chip and Dale here. And uh, actually, I didn't say all that, but I thought it. And actually, my response was uh, to going through several stages. The first stage was uh, encouragement and just telling Kelly how much it was going to be so fun inside Splash Mountain. That didn't work. So I went to the next stage, which was bribery and some ice cream. If you just go on Splash Mountain, that didn't work. So the last stage was guilt. And uh, I explained how it was a hundred degrees in the shade and there are two short people stifling in these furry Chippendale costumes pretending to be happy and how it would all be for nothing if we did not go up to Splash Mountain. And I don't know about you, Kaylee, but I can't live with that. And it, anyways, so Kaylee said, Okay, I'll go. And that's when I realized that uh, I was treating her as if her opinion didn't count. And so I left my seven-year-old daughter and went on that ride and <laughs> had a great time. Um, now, I said, so you really don't want to go on that ride, do you? And she said, no, I don't. And I said, well, you don't need to go on any ride you don't want to. And so then she smiled from Mickey ear to Mickey ear and realized that her opinion really counted. And I know it's a simple example, but it's in these simple ways that we communicate to family members whether their opinion counts or not. And when each member feels as though their opinion counts, the family members feel empowered to speak up when there are Issues that need to be addressed. Another core belief that uh, is common to families that speak up is that they believe that the commitment between them is greater than any challenge that comes against them. You know, we all fear rejection. And the worst fear we have is that our family will reject us. And so husbands and wives and kids of all ages have this secret wonderment of how much it would really take for our family to disown us, how far the commitment really goes. And strong families have a way of answering that secret question with a resounding promise of commitment. Parents need to set the tone here. Uh, married parents need to model this kind of devotion and commitment to each other first Single and married parents need to find ways to tell their kids that they're secure, that the family's commitment is unbreakable, and that love is unconditional. But even more important than just declaring this commitment, strong families prove it by the way they make their relationships with each other a top priority and demonstrate it in in sacrificial ways. And this dedication encourages family members to speak up because they know that the commitment between them is greater than any challenge that comes against them.
So I'll mention one more core belief of families who speak up. They believe in listening to each other instead of reacting against each other. You know, perhaps the biggest reason why families fail to address challenges is because family members somewhere along the line learn the hard way that whoever speaks up on a difficult topic gets reacted against instead of listened to. When family members give each other knee-jerk reactions instead of listening ears, problems get bigger instead of smaller. God says this in Proverbs chapter 18. He who answers before listening, this is his folly and his shame. The goal is to make your home a place where no topic is off limits, but where honesty is rewarded and not punished. You know, parents, if your teenager uh, tells you about how she was with her friend, uh, your daughter tells you how she was with her friend Julie yesterday and how Julie talked about her experimentation with drugs and you respond with anger and you fly into a rage and you say, well, you will never see Julie again. And just to make sure you're grounded for a week, if you do that, all you do is punish your daughter for open dialogue, and it probably won't happen again because you've taught her that there are some things that she can't tell you about. It would be much better to just slow down and say, tell me more about Julie and what you're thinking about this friendship. Strong families speak up because they know that home, more than any other place, is the place where they are listened to. Strong families address challenges quickly. They don't let issues just fester and boil candidly because everybody gets a chance to be honest and completely because these families hold nothing back because they know their opinion counts, that their acceptance is secure, and that they will be listened to. Which leads us now to the third principle. Strong families adopt healthy approaches that resolve their challenges. What are healthy approaches? Healthy approaches are good practices that come out of a personal experience of God's love in Jesus. You know, if if I am God's child through faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross for me, then I am experiencing the best parenting and the greatest love that can be experienced. God is a father who loves me unconditionally and then empowers me to, out of the overflow of that experience, share a similar love with my family members. As Jesus says in John chapter 13, Jesus says, As I have loved you, now you must love one another. Strong families overcome challenges, not because they're smart or because they're talented, but because they're guided by love. The kind of love that God shows us in Jesus. So let's talk about some healthy approaches to challenges that are adopted by families who are committed to expressing God's love to each other. First, strong families express God's love by displaying kindness in difficult conversations. Uh, Let's say I'm a teen and I need to initiate a conversation with my parents because they're wrongly accusing me of something that's serious. Or let's say I'm a parent and I need to confront my 
teenager who is dating someone who is unhealthy and is a negative influence. Or let's say I'm married and I need to have a difficult conversation about my spouse's spending habit that has crossed the line and is causing some damage in our family. If I enter these difficult conversations guided by my angry emotions and my fearful assumptions, I'll just make the hurt and chaos worse in the family. But instead, I can choose to express God's love by engaging in kindness in a difficult conversation. Now, with this in mind, I'd like to share a list with you, a list that I think is so important that I've reproduced it on the back of your uh, bulletin. You'll find it right below a blurb that is uh, not for our guests, but for those who consider BlackRock their church. It's a gentle reminder uh, that the BlackRock family, over the next 12 weeks, uh, we need to engage in that joyful and urgent privilege of providing for the resources of God's work here. We're a strong family and uh, we need to do our best in terms of providing for God's work here. But just below that update, there's a list of nine tips for a difficult conversation. Uh, In a sense, each one of these tips is an expression of God's love. So uh, the first tip addresses the way you get into uh, this conversation. Uh, Usually the first words out of my mouth are the ones that set the tone for the whole conversation. So the first tip is to introduce the topic of conversation without blame or without judgment, saying something like, you know, I wonder if this would be a good time to discuss, or I wanted to get your thoughts on. And in words like these, I'm signaling that this is a dialogue, this is not a diatribe, and that I'm in a listening mode. The second tip involves the setting. Be aware that initiating a difficult conversation in the car or a public place like a restaurant can be perceived as trapping the other person and so should be avoided. Now, see, these are tips. This is not a rule. Uh, It's just a reminder that the setting is important for a difficult conversation. And some settings can make the other person feel cornered and manipulated. And God's love does not do that. The third tip is, uh, whenever possible, use I statements instead of you statements. You know, I feel unappreciated instead of you take me for granted. Uh, You statements sound like accusations and set my family member on the defensive. And there's a huge difference between saying you hurt me and I feel hurt. The fourth tip is to acknowledge your fallibility and the ways, real or perceived, that you contributed to the problem. You know, whenever I can share responsibility for the problem, I demonstrate that I'm not being judgmental, but I'm doing my part in helping to resolve the problem. The fifth tip is to avoid accusations and the use of words like always and never. You never talk to me because you're always on the computer. 
Whenever I hear myself saying, you always or you never, I'm exaggerating in a way that can cause hurt and my uh, family member to be uh, defensive. The sixth tip is to make it your goal to attack the problem and not the other person. This is so important. As much as possible, I want to express my belief that my family member is not the problem. The problem is the problem. And I want to team up with my family member to attack the problem and solve it, which leads to the seventh tip, which is about solving. After discussing issues and hurt feelings, move the conversation toward potential solutions. The eighth tip is a reminder that, you know, the most important words in a conversation like this are the first words and the last words. So tip eight, whenever possible, try to resolve the conversation with agreement, apologies, forgiveness, and or a plan for further discussion. Finally, the ninth tip brings us back to the fact that strong families adopt healthy approaches that are guided by God's love and the overflow of that experience. So the ninth tip is to pray. Ask God to fill you with love and to give you wise words in a strategic conversation. So strong families face challenges by adopting healthy approaches that come out of their experience of God's love and actually contribute to resolving the challenge. And these nine tips are just practical suggestions or examples of what healthy approaches look like. But there is one more healthy approach that is probably the most important of all. Strong families express God's love by giving grace instead of holding grudges. Everyone in my family is a sinner including me. We all fail. We all fall. And sometimes the very people we love the most are the people we hurt the most. Strong families adopt the healthy approach of giving grace instead of holding on to grudges. Strong families overcome challenges by being ready to forgive each other. As God's Word says in Colossians chapter 3, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Watch these words. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. There it is again. Healthy approaches emerge from my personal experience and then my willingness to overflow from that personal experience of God's love by showing the same love and forgiveness to my family members and a husband and wife were getting ready for bed one night and the wife was standing in front of a full-length mirror and she was taking a hard look at herself and talking to her husband and she stood in front of the mirror and said I just look at myself and I see my hair is now all gray. My face is all wrinkled. My shoulders are hunched over. My legs are fat. My arms are flabby. You know, I look at this body and I wonder, is there anything after all these years that you can still love about me? And the husband said, well, your eyesight's really good. And uh, see, that, that's, the, uh, that's the truth. The truth is that more than any other people on earth, it's our families 
who see our imperfections. They see our failures. That see our sins. But guided by God's kind of love, strong families are always ready to let go of the imperfections and find the good points in each other. Strong families stand ready to say, there's always something to love about you. You know, it could be that you're here today and you're a spouse, you're a child, you're a brother, you're a sister, you're a parent. And you've got a challenge at home. I encourage you to just take these three overcoming principles and apply them in God's strength. So first, consider the challenge you're facing to be expected and decide not to overreact. Second, do not underreact, but be the one in the family to speak up, to address the the issue quickly and candidly and completely. And third, Adopt healthy approaches to resolve the challenge by being kind in a difficult conversation or by giving grace instead of holding on to grudges. I'd like to give you just a moment right now just to pray, to maybe present whatever challenge that you see in your family, your marriage, your extended family, and just ask God to give you some new experiences of his love and some wise words that you might be able to share to overcome the challenge. Would you just spend a moment in quiet? Now, will you please stand as we close? And let me just remind you that we have some men and women up here in the front who are uh, ready to pray with you because, you know, maybe this is the day with just a simple 30-second prayer, God is going to come into your family life in a whole new and different way. So just bring that challenge up and let someone pray with you for a couple seconds, all right? God, thank you for your love for us that... uh, Though it's so realistic, we thank you that uh, just like the Bible reflects the fact that uh, it's just full of families with problems, you know that we face problems, that we face challenges in our homes, and we're not trying to pretend. We know that there are challenges. Now, Lord, we pray that because we know you and because we have an experience of your love and we have the infilling of your spirit in our lives, that we would be those people in this world who are able to overcome challenges at home. For your glory and our joy, we pray it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. See you next time.